Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Mark 9.38 Funny how we're so alike in the petty jealousies and entitlement issues of life. This comes after the little discussion Jesus' disciples had been having among themselves about who was the greatest. Now they were grumbling that someone outside their clique was driving out demons in Jesus' name. Jesus responds by saying, whoever is not against us is for us. I had a friend once who thought she was all that in the field of witnessing and ministering. I was new to homeschooling and not from a Baptist or non-denominational church and didn't pray over people or get swept up in the spirit. I was just a lowly ex-Roman Episcopalian, one of those liturgical church members who didn't do laying on of hands at the drop of a hat in a parking lot. After about a year of friendship, this same woman needed my advice about homeschooling and the stress being laid at her feet. In my calmness, I counseled her, and we spoke and prayed for about an hour. An hour or so after hanging up, she called me back and told me her husband had been curious as to whom she'd been on the phone with, and in the recounting of the conversation, it dawned on her that I had ministered to her. She was calling to apologize to me and say she'd harbored doubts that I could minister because I wasn't one of them. Sound familiar? We all pray, worship, devote in different ways. As long as we're following the truth, Jesus is Lord, we need to respect our fellow Christians. As Jesus so astutely pointed out, as long as they're doing good works in his name, they can't be bad-mouthing him. Welcome all your brothers and sisters, loud or quiet, charismatic or contemplative, liturgical or free-spirited, Don't look down on them because they're not like you. God can use you and your uniqueness. And he can also use him and her and them, whether you think so or not. Good morning and a good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. I have a treat for you today. My guests this week are my sons, the trusty landlords of my family home, while my husband and I were sojourning in England for a year. We'll be hearing their stories from the 13 months of abandon, how they changed, how we changed, and how the house changed. I'm certain I'll discover some things I didn't know about their life without parental controls, but for the most part, I think we'll learn how we all flourished from the separation. This is just another facet of homeschooling at its best. Grab your tea and some cake, sit back for elevenses, and let's be entertained by the wild man experiment. First off, my side of the story of our return. I'm not one to lambast my boys because I raised them after all, and some of their homesteading savvy has to be credited to me. I laughed about the antics that were playing out in our house while we were blissfully unaware in England. My Texan did not. He knew what the male species was capable of, though he chose not to voice his concerns. We were too far away to do anything about it, so why raise red flags and risk solitary confinement? 
I'd only been treated to the G-rated version of he-man behaviour when left alone, so I splashed around in my innocence and laughed at my silly boy's expressions of freedom, however they were manifested. Put it down to lack of imagination. When I left my house in the hands of my 23-year-old, I had no idea what was going to happen. As part of my gap year preparations, I spent months getting the house exactly the way I wanted it to look when I returned. On handing the keys over to my zookeeper son and his older brother, I made one mistake. I failed to make them sign a contract to that effect. Can naive still be used to describe someone who has lived for half a century or more? Thirteen months later, when my southern gentleman and I stepped out of our taxi... After travelling for two days to reach our sunny shores, we were greeted by the sight of our zookeeper's son in the garage, bent double inside his car with the vacuum cleaner. He unfolded himself and stood up to wave and then ducked back down again while we hauled six large and six small bags in the vague direction of the back door, making a mountain of luggage by the step. When we paid the driver, our son came towards us, his unfurled torso glistening with sweat, beaming, with arms outstretched. We air-hugged. You guys are 30 minutes earlier than I expected, he said. When we entered the house, I suspected our timing was a whole lot more than 30 minutes off. Something was amiss. The sink was full of dirty dishes, and my son was detailing his car. Obviously, we had left him the wrong piece of property to steward. For the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. I brushed aside the scripture verse. I was jet-lagged, irritable, and in no mood to be thumping my Bible. I could have ignored a sink load of dishes, had it not been for the part of the house that was immediately visible on stepping over my kitchen threshold and into the wastes of the wild man experiment. As I looked around my unrecognisable kitchen, I drew a sharp breath and set my face to impassive. The counters were laden with empty cartons of food, cooking and eating utensils and appliances. For easy access, said my son, reaching behind me for a dish towel to wipe his dripping face. A year's worth of unopened mail covered the kitchen table, chairs and floor, rising to impressive heights. Immediately to the left of me in my garden room, where the peacefulness of the outdoors used to to fold itself softly against the conservatory windows, and where I used to broadcast my show, this show, I saw, crammed in with my Adirondacks, a washer and dryer, a coffee table balancing a pair of end tables, a file cabinet, a chainsaw, several mud balls, wood shavings, most of the tools from the shed, numerous pairs of dirty trainers, wadded-up towels, swimsuits, packets of shock, air guns, tins of pellets, half a dozen throwing and gutting knives, a skateboard with a crudely fashioned potter's wheel attached, an empty pool pump box, a folded tent with scattered poles, climbing rope, two gas cylinders and an oil pan lurking beneath the glass top table. My haven now had about as much appeal as a landfill, and in defence the former steward, following my gaze, said, Oh, that room is too dang hot in the summer and bloody freezing in the winter to do anything else with. I agreed, but wondered why turn it into a municipal dump. In the middle distance, where the dining and living room used to be, vaguely familiar furniture was scattered haphazardly. The couch had been moved to sit across the fireplace. Um, To open up the room, explained my man-cub. 
Littering the now larger living space was the flotsam and jetsam of daily living. Clothes, dishcloths, socks, a hairbrush, coffee cups, beer bottles, plates, a laptop and a martini shaker. Through one of the lounge windows, I could see a massive barbecue grill and a smoker butted against the glass. These blackened, greasy eyesores insinuated themselves into the cluttered room that had developed a tenement quality in one short year. The air inside the room was smoky. I'm cooking something for dinner, explained my son, looking proudly at his outdoor toys. We'd heard about the self-sufficiency that had been taking place in the back 40. It was best I didn't know what was going, what I was going to be asked to eat later. I breathed in the hot air of home. Why isn't the air conditioning on? I asked, looking at the clock. Oh, it went out yesterday, my son said. Someone's coming to look at it later. Let's go look outside. He led the way through the dump. Uh, we'd been treated to Skype tours of the outdoors while on our gap year. And again, I'd laughed at the occasional spurts of agrarian work that had been taking place in our carefully tended garden. Viewed on my 13-inch computer screen, our son's endeavours looked harmless and productive. A few months later and in real life, the story was quite different. The words trailer park immediately sprung to mind as I stepped onto my deck and around the chimney full of cigarette butts placed in the centre of a circle of chairs. Where's the table, I asked. Around the corner. It's not broken. Don't worry, my son assured me. It was just in the way. I didn't ask. I cast my eyes around for a spittoon and happily didn't find one. Instead, I saw that my almost hundred-year-old honeysuckle had been ripped out. It was eating into the wood, Mum, and replaced with tin edging, fashioned to provide deep vegetable patches for potatoes and carrots, squash, cucumber and melons in the flower bed against the now derelict fence. A dozen brightly coloured pots of tomato plants ranged across the steps leading to the sliding office doors, now barricaded, and netting had been hammered up into the guttering to keep out marauding birds and squirrels. This ambitious attempt at crop raising by my outdoor son had wilted thoughtlessly when his life happened away from the hosepipe. And I'm thrilled today that my brave sons, Ian and Simon McNenny, who lived in our house while my blue-eyed cowboy and I were away in England for a year, have managed to happen away from their exciting lives to join me as my guests. It wasn't until we returned to our home after 13 months that we became aware of the wild man experiment that had been taking place while we were away, and I'm sure we're in for a lively conversation. My oldest son, Ian, is a filmmaker here in Dallas, where he's currently working on season two of the new series of Dallas, where he works evenings and nights, leaving his days free to pursue his own creative interests. He's also a freelancer for a creative studio in Deep Ellum called Real FX, where he's just edited a series of national commercials for Chuck E. Cheese, which will air over the holiday season. When not editing, Ian enjoys writing narrative screenplays and coming up with innovative ways to cook and perfect staple meals or get the taste buds hopping. Simon is a zookeeper at the Dallas Zoo, where his special charges are the okapi, part of the hoofstock. Recently, he has been become interested in training animals, particularly birds, which he spoke to us about on his last visit to my show in March. Simon also enjoys rock climbing and is sponsored by a climbing shoe company, Evolve, who manufacture high-friction technical rock climbing shoes, and a local flip-flop company called Harimari. Welcome, sons. 
Hello. Hi. Hi. Well, how are the two of you today? Doing good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Days off. Days off. Yeah. 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 Good. Last of my three day weekend. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So you get a three day weekend in the middle of the week. I would that that always confuses me when I'm living at home because I have somebody living with me who has a weekend on a Saturday and Sunday, and then my son Simon, who's a zookeeper, has his weekend on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then my other son Ian, who's the filmmaker, just has days off when they're handed to him. I suppose <laughs> sometimes he doesn't get a day off during the week, do you, Ian? Uh, a lot of times, yeah. Yeah, you just spend all your time working. Well, um, I invited both the boys to come and talk to us about uh, their year. You've heard all about my year in England over the year when I've been doing the show. And I want them to talk about their year in our house while we weren't here. So first off, how did the two of you react to the news that your blue-eyed dad and I were heading to England for a year I mean, I was kind of excited for you guys. I didn't really think about the whole living at the house thing for the first few weeks, but it was weird. You guys, I think you guys had talked about doing it <clears throat> for a little while, and it was always um, it seemed more like a dream, dream type conversation. And then suddenly, you actually had a date, and you thought you said, "We're really doing this." And I thought, "Oh my goodness!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you weren't living at home at the time, Ian. No, I was uh, a little bit jealous that you uh, you decided to do this while I was you know, on my own already, but I, <laughs> I came to terms with it. <laughs> and, uh, Simon, what did, how did you? No, I mean, I felt, I felt, uh, excited for you guys. And oh I, yes, that, that's what I was going to say. You felt excited for us, but what yeah. about you? Oh, well, I mean, once I realized that I was going to be taking care of the house, I was, I was, um, uh, thrilled for the opportunity to live on my own, but not have to worry, uh, I don't know about, Paying rent, paying rent, breaking <laughs> things. I mean, it was my, not my house, but yeah. he, he knew he knew enough about the house to kind of know how things worked on a day to day basis. He didn't have to readjust to yeah. a different, yeah. different environment. Yeah, yeah. And originally, the plan was to have some friends living with you, also, yes. Simon. Do you want to yeah. tell us about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I was supposed to have, um, I think, four other roommates in here since there's five bedrooms, and they were all from the zoo, and it was working out great. They were ready to sign the little contract you guys had written, and then all four of them bailed, mm. um, probably three weeks before you guys left. Yeah. And so that was a big bummer, um, kind of quite a shock to both of us, uh, you know, you guys and, and me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just made do for the first little bit, first few weeks, you know, living on my own. So. Yeah. And you did, you lived completely on your own? Yeah, no, I, I lived on my own for, uh, I guess, about a month. Well, Paris was... No, she. Paris, Paris was here. Paris for the was first here for like weeks. a week or two. Yeah, and then that's when she moved to Corpus. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he then, slept. He slept with all the lights on in the house, <laughs> and and a baseball bat or no, the wooden sword by his by his bed. I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got to go on a very short break, but we'll be back in just a few moments. So don't go away. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Here come old flat top, here come grooving up slow. 
Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, so Simon, you find that you're living on your own. Paris has left to go to Corpus Christi, and there's nobody else in the house, um, and at what point did you, I mean, did you initially keep thinking, oh, mom and dad will be home soon? Um, I, it didn't hit me for actually for like two or three months. Yeah. It wasn't until August mm-hmm. that that actually came across that you guys were really gone for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so so for the first little while, it was, it was fun getting used to living on my own until Shelby moved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the first few weeks, it got a little lonely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I did catch myself, you know, sitting at home watching TV a lot of the nights and not having anything to do. And then Shelby moved in probably at the end of June, I think. Uh, And that's when it became kind of one of the best summers of our lives, we've said, you know. It it definitely was a a summer for the the history books, I guess. Yeah, and you you managed to um, hold down your job as well as have the best summer of your lives. Yep. (laughs) We both kept our jobs and... (laughs) We're able to swim and use the pool. I think we took um, we took advantage of the house that we had. We were able to use everything. We had all the rooms that we wanted to use. You know, we blocked off the upstairs. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we used the kitchen. We cooked. We grilled. We swam. Played outside. Jumped off the roof. I mean, not the roof. Um, uh, <laughs> we 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 def well they. But whenever I was around, I mean, we definitely used it as the place that we lived, as our house, as opposed to just mom and dad's house that we kind of you know, we're, we're guests in or lived in or whatnot. It was, mm-hmm. it, it definitely, the, the tone of the whole living situation and experience changed. So what was the, how, what's the longest you've been left alone in the house before this? A day. Oh, I mean, it'd been, it'd been <laughs> a couple days. You guys, you guys have gone to grandmama's, I think. Well, and you guys went to Destin. Yeah. You went to Florida for yeah. a week. That's when Micah broke the window. That's right. That's yeah. right. You, what were you doing when he broke the window? We were chopping down a tree, and I, it, Cameron and I cut everything down except for one big branch, and Micah comes over to help, and he breaks the window. <laughs> but did you have – no, that was before you left. A, a window broke out, didn't it, in the house? In your your room, Simon. Oh, yeah. that, that yeah, popped out from the heat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it just that's felt. weird. So nothing really major went wrong in the house. There wasn't any dire emergency while you were here. No, no. A couple just, of a couple of things with the pool pump and one like shower yeah. thing. I mean, so no, nothing major. Yeah, yeah. So you say you had um, the best summer of your life, or so far. Obviously, you probably had some really good summers when you were children too. Yeah, yeah. little children. Um, so what what are some of the highlights? I mean, a, a couple of things maybe that you could share. I mean, obviously, I don't, you know. I don't want to hear stuff that I don't want to hear, but <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I mean, we just, like I said, we swam, we, we, mm-hmm. we had fun in the pool and we would, we would have nighttime swimming sessions at 10 or 11 o'clock at night all the time, a- a- almost every other day. It seemed, mm-hmm. um, Shelby would, 
play the guitar and we'd hang out. We'd watch movies. And that was that was pretty cool. So I would come over and uh, there's a good portion of the time where Shelby would just be playing guitar, writing songs or doing something. And we could just sit and just listen to him while we're making food or eating. And he would just keep going. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. pretty neat. Um, it, it lasted. It definitely seems to last a lot longer than the normal summer. Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of an extended thing to when Shelby eventually moved out in December. Mm-hmm. That was definitely the turning point of, okay, I guess, I guess the summer's now over, even yeah. though it had been over for a few months. Yeah. yeah. So um, you were outside. It didn't really matter that it was hot because you had the pool. But I know that our pool gets warm. Yeah, we had we had such a hard time trying to keep that pool clean because it got so hot. I mean, the, it, the, the water was just green as can be, and it was disgusting but we got some good workouts in trying to scrub yeah we scrubbed that pool numerous times but uh a once, day once the green went away it would stay clean for a little bit and then it would just miraculously come back yeah. show back up overnight until until i decided to make the pool structure the cover oh, yeah so i put that shade structure up which dropped the temperature of the pool about 11 to 12 degrees really? it was pretty genius which which made it much more bearable to swim in and made the algae you know not be able to survive in the cooler water so yeah. um, what gave you the idea of putting up an awning over the pool? Uh, working up at the zoo, the yeah. animals in their yards have to have shade structures. It's part of the, the rules and regulations of zoos. And so I know stretching a tarp over it drops at 10 degrees. Mm-hmm. So I decided to put a tarp, our leaf-catching tarp that we put over the pool in the winter. Mm-hmm. I just elevated it 20 feet above the pool. Mm. So Yeah, and it worked really, really well, I know. It worked, yeah. Because yeah. when we came home... You'd it made a repeat appearance. Yeah, you'd put it up again. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it definitely kept the pool cool. But we didn't. That Our summer, this summer, wasn't nearly as hot. Last summer uh, was a, a particularly hot summer, right? Yeah, incredibly. And um, you grew vegetables, Simon? I, well, I did this this year was when we grew vegetables. Oh, that. I see. So last year you uh-huh. didn't do that yet. Uh, last year was more about the swimming. We started that in about March or something like that. Yeah. We uh, some Somehow the, the front yard got, got killed. Not somehow. Uh, I accidentally killed it. Simon accidentally killed the fertilizer. Yeah, used the fertilizer. So we we definitely got a little bit more into the the gardening and and horticulture aspects of keeping a, you know, trying to grow a yard. And Simon was growing vegetables and flowers and all sorts of stuff. And at that point, I I, I knew you guys were headed back in in the next few months. And so I wanted to try and keep the yards, you know, at least looking decent. And that was our, yeah, the backyards. That was our goal was to, to try and. To try and put it back to a place that hopefully, you know, you guys didn't come back in wide-eyed shock and just say, what in the world happened here, you know? Yeah, well, out in the yard. So what kinds of things had happened before out in the yard? I mean, so it just, I mean stuff got left left uh, in the dust we forgot about. Oh, I see, yeah. You know, would, well, there was an incident where we decided to bury a radiator in the yard. <laughs> And that was another way of cooling the pool that did not work. Mm-hmm. And so there was a hole in the ground, and I'm pretty sure it's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, stuff like that. And um, the potted plants had died, so they were kind of just all scraggly around. So I wanted to change that and clean that up a little bit. Simon tore up one of the, the wooden decks over in the corner and, and laid down paving stones and, and uh, gravel to mm-hmm. kind of make kind of a stone, a stone deck, which actually looks really nice. Yes, it does. It does. And, uh, okay, so what you so that first summer was so hot that really not a lot of watering of grass and that kind of yeah, stuff went on. It was that was more, forgot about for sure, yeah. very much. 
And so how, how easy is it to have a full-time job and a house to keep? It's very difficult. It is very, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there was constant stuff that I could only do on my weekends because that was about the only time that I had. I, I get home from work or from rock climbing and didn't want to you know, spend a whole lot of time doing that. So cleaning was a big thing in the house. It was difficult to keep the house clean. And Ian would come over and do his part, his, yeah. his uh, <laughs> part of what cleaning that he didn't need to do. Uh, yeah, there was a, a, a couple of times before I moved in that I would just come over on one of my days off, spend an entire day cleaning, um, and send Simon before and after pictures. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it is a, it's a very night and day difference. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and but it was, was fun. Yeah, that, that was before you moved in, and so you just come over because you felt kind of responsible for the house as well? I mean, yeah, it was just as much my house as, as Simon's house and whatnot, even though I wasn't living there. I just, I kept an eye on it as best I could, but let Simon handle the day-to-day, you know, everything, mm-hmm. whenever he was the only one here. Mm-hmm. So um, when you eventually moved in, Ian, um, was it because your lease had finished? Yeah, my lease was up, and I decided that for the money I was spending at this apartment, it really was not worthwhile signing another lease. I just decided I'll just move everything into the house, and then whenever you guys moved back, we would just kind of decide what we wanted to do after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved in and, and kind of took more of the active role in in the, the upkeep of the house on a day-to-day basis, and Simon and I really kind of stepped up and and did as much as we possibly could to to keep everything, you know, in a working order. Well, I know, Ian, you went through the um, the pantry and our spice cupboard. Yeah. And, and you saved us a couple of a couple of tins of things. I did. There was, some, uh, there was some Cajun seasoning in there from 1982, I believe, <laughs> something like that. It was um, older than me, so I had to respect it as an elder. <laughs> um, I mean, just... Stuff that stuff that we've kind of seen in there and whatnot growing higher lives growing up and and use on occasion, but that's just it. It only gets used on occasion, and so that's why it's been there for a, quite a number of years, I guess. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And in fact, I was at the I was at the store yesterday, and I couldn't remember whether I had baking powder or not. I knew I had. I used to have some. Yeah. But I think I just had that one tin. I think that one tin had been in this house for 25 or 26 years because I only ever used it really rarely. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And I don't know whether that was one of the things you threw away, so I bought one just in case because I didn't want to get home and not have one. But there you go. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think we do that with spices. They don't they don't really go off, but they might lose their pungency, so it's probably yeah. not a wise thing to, to yeah. do that. But, right. Yeah, you'll find... Okay, so um, you said you used the kitchen a lot. Did you cook outside a lot? We did once. Uh, I mean, I had my grill, Ian, Ian and I, and I think Shelby was over. We got in trouble for using his grill at his house once. At my apartment, actually, the the um, I guess the fire department was called because somebody was complaining about smoke, and we were just cooking brisket mm-hmm. or ribs or something like that on my on my charcoal grill. We had done it a few times before, but I guess it, it got a little bit more smoky than normal, and they said you guys really aren't allowed to have this here, so we started, you know, doing most of our own only cookouts over at over at the house until I moved in, and then I brought my grill over and we yeah used we it did we grilled a lot and it was uh, it was fun the kitchen was used and mm-hmm. uh, we that's when we what did we make that year I mean we cooked we just uh, uh, on a whim one day we just decided we're gonna grill 
uh, a whole chicken without really knowing how to do it or looking up recipes or, or directions. We just kind of you had made whole chicken back in the day in the oven, and so we thought it really couldn't be much more difficult than that. So we just we went for it. That's kind of how we approached cooking most of the time while we were here. Is just if something sounded good or we could kind of logically think it through in our head, we just went for it. And some of the cook, some of the cooking became you know exotic flavors, exotic meats. Simon really likes to put curry on on curry, bacon and, and things like curry that. Curry and bacon, but I mean we use we. We did have a meal that consisted of um, Cameron's um, wild boar pork chops. Mm-hmm. We had duck. We had some squirrel. And mm-hmm. I think we might have had turtle that day as well. Yeah. <laughs> so there were four different meats there. Lindsay was over to, to try that so she can attest to the flavors. <laughs> so, so what were they? I mean, did they taste very different? Um. They did squirrel. It's, it's just more of a pain in the butt to eat because it's so small. Um, but it's really dark meat, kind of gamey. And the duck was really kind of a rich flavored meat. I had some of the duck. The duck was pretty good. Turtle is greasy. I yeah. wouldn't recommend turtle. Oh, really? I didn't eat turtle. So. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> okay. Well, we are getting ready to go on another break. So come back and hear more about the wild man experiment that went on while we were in England. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, Solving the Connections of Autoimmune Disease to Thyroid Problems, Fibromyalgia, Depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. I'm back with my sons, Ian and Simon, who um, looked after our house while my husband and I were in England for a year. And uh, we're talking about um, what it meant to them. I've, I've talked a lot about what, what it meant to me being away, but they were the ones that were left behind. So how did it feel to be left behind? Um, we were just talking about food before we went on a break, and I'm not quite finished with the food aspect because they talked about some exotic foods that they ate. But vegetables and that, I mean, did you, did you, um, you know, grill whole meals like your vegetables and everything as well? I mean, the vegetables were uh, always accents. We've yeah. always had trouble, you and me, Mom, have always had trouble growing vegetables in our garden. <laughs> they seem to work very well until they start producing fruit. And then it's very unsuccessful. Yeah, you're right. I think I had one cucumber. I think I might have had three or four cherry tomatoes. So that's not a lot. Mm-hmm. 
uh, a pickle. I think at the end, when you guys got home, I was able to pick about 12 potatoes mm-hmm. that were about the size of a button. Yes, each. I remember so, that. And you made them, you mashed those them. Those vegetables. It was a lot of meat. Mm-hmm. Took on a meat diet. We we did meat and and bread. Um, but I mean, we would still do stuff if we were cooking on the grill. We'd probably try to cook everything on the grill. We put the bread wrapped in tin foil on the grill. We do roasties in the roasty pan, but on the grill. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, especially if we were going to light that charcoal grill, we knew we better cook a lot of stuff. Yeah. So the, because you have to get it hot enough using as much charcoal, you didn't want to waste it. That's right. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it, it, with uh, along with the meat, we did go to we switched up our stores. Uh-huh. And yeah. then we'd go to Tom Thumb instead of Kroger, mostly because you didn't have to cross a street to get there. You and could there just, wasn't a stoplight. There wasn't a stoplight. It was no. just a very easy, easy peasy drive up there. Yes. So we we go to Tom Thumb. We we grew to love Tom Thumb. Recognized a bunch of people. Recognized a bunch of people. Got you know got recognized all the time. Simon's some eye candy up there. Oh, I'm sure he is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that was a, that was our experience with cooking. But you got you used the Asian market a lot as well, I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for your meats. And, and yeah, I mean, and it's just yeah the the meats the meats were mostly where we go to, you know to the Asian market to get them just because I mean they're uh, fresher and better cuts of meat, better better prices, better stuff yeah. like that at an Asian market. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they butcher in a different way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you cut some meat a little bit different. And a lot more variety. I mean, you've got so Dog, many, cat. yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> many, so many different cuts of meat. I mean, you just it, it's different things that you never would have seen at a Tom Thumb or a Kroger. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've done the food aspect and we've done the living aspect and how it really isn't that easy to maintain a house while you have a full time job. You know, you sort of have to. You have your full-time job and then you have your house and the hobby maybe, you know, every now and again, but it can't, it can't be a full-time thing. And so that's, it's a real commitment. Right. Um, emotionally, how did the two of you deal with the year? Let's we'll start with Ian. Emotionally. Um, uh, it didn't, it didn't really get tough for me until October when I started on Dallas. And that was mostly because um, I was working nights and suddenly, you know, Simon was working some weird schedules and you guys were away. And so it was just kind of, um, the little, little company on the times that I did have, have off, um, that I would usually come over and, and, you know, see you guys or, or do whatever. But, um, luckily through Skype, I, I kind of, it, it never really felt as if you were that far away. I mean, we had to shift the timetable of everything six hours, but, um, I mean, for the most part, especially in my overnight shift, you guys would wake up when it was about two o'clock in the morning here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's seven or eight o'clock in the morning over there. And so I would just Skype you to keep me company just for a little bit every, every couple of days and just, yeah. you know, see how everything was going. But I mean, I had lived on my own for a few years previously, you know, prior to all this. And so it was really not as different as it was for Simon. Except except that mom and dad weren't just around the corner or you could go over there with your car and say, dad, help me with this. That was the hardest part, definitely, was was having to adjust with the time zone, like Ian said. I mean, after about five o'clock our time here in in the evening or afternoon... We could no longer get in touch with you guys. You guys were asleep. Mm-hmm. 
And so we, that was the, okay, now I got to figure out what's going on from here on, you know? Right. We actually had to, had to figure stuff out on our own or figure out how to put it off or, 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 you know, make it okay until the next morning when we could ask you guys a question. So, but yeah, no, it was, it was difficult, uh, adjusting to certain things. I mean, having to know to go to the grocery store and shop and everything and then keeping up with bills and knowing when to get uh, my oil changed. Not that you guys always told me that, but it was, you guys would have reminders. You would do that stuff. So uh, there was a big learning curve for sure. Yeah. Do you think you learned a lot? Oh yeah. I think I did. Definitely. And it made, it made this last transition when we moved out to our new apartment much simpler. And it, we, Ian and I had lived together for that six months that you guys were gone. Um, this year because mm-hmm. yeah. you're only in for six months. So, uh, it, it made our transition living together easy as well. So we've learned how to live with each other. It also brought us closer. I think as brothers, I think we, we, especially once Paris left, you know, a couple weeks later, um, we quickly realized, okay, so it's just the two of us. We're pretty much the only two members of the family left here at home. And so we kind of had to learn to rely on each other, which is kind of when we figured out that, you know, we might actually be pretty decent roommates once we um, once we swallowed some pride and kind of worked out a couple of couple of finicky picky issues. Yeah. Well, that's good because um, you know that that was something that your father and I were pleased about when we came back that you were actually going to move in together, and um, because that's, that seems like such a waste of of rent if you can you know get something a little bit bigger and share it with with somebody else that you know that you can sort of get on with and at least you're related. If you can't get on, then you don't worry so much about hurting feelings. Or- right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and we, we both, uh, because of all that, we both grew, grew as people. I mean, it, it's kind of, um, for me, at least I feel as if my, I had a, I had a life transition at the right point in my life. Um, and, and kind of learned a lot about myself and, uh, a lot of things that I'm going to, you know, take from here forward. Mm-hmm. That you know, I mean, it, it it came at the right time. It was the it was the right thing for for me at the time. Yeah. What us not being there? Well, yeah, having to having to figure a bunch of stuff out on my own, having to to fill my time with the stuff that I wanted to do and that I was interested in, and uh, work as often as I felt like I needed to or wanted to, or you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Um, all of a sudden, there are two other people out of your lives that you don't have to worry about. Like, because I, I always used to, you know, sort of when when we were here, I always worried about you. You know, um, you were you were always around. Not you necessarily, just you, Ian, but all of you, all of you children. Yeah. And when we were in England, all of a sudden, there was four thousand miles between us, and there's not an awful lot you can do when somebody calls with a crisis. You can help them. You can talk them down and you know, kind of help, but you can't actually physically rush over and actually get your hands dirty and help. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's, that, um, said a lot for us and said a lot for, you know, sort of how you dealt with that too, because, you know, you can call and gripe, but when it comes down to it, <laughs> you are the ones that have to do something. About yeah. It, so. Right. Right. We're able to, we're able to know that we can come up with solutions without having to ask you guys now because there were some some times there where we just couldn't yeah and the, there are other things like it says don't fret you know about things that you have absolutely no control over and so i know i learned that 
you know, there might be problems, but I, there's nothing I can do about it. And you probably knew too. Well, I can't really go and help mom and dad do this. They've got to do it on their own. So yeah, you know, kind of gets us out of the picture, gets you out of the picture, and helps us to not get so strung up. Be more tolerant. Be a little bit more flexible, perhaps. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that how you were feeling? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that it, it also, um, I mean, it, it kind of, we were able to kind of tell during the whole process, but since you guys have been back, um, I mean, Simon mentions this to me all the time. I mean, it, we can see a complete difference in the way you guys behave around us and the way we behave around you. I mean, we've entered into a, a new phase realm, of, a new realm of our relationship with our parents. And so it's, it's, it's no longer, it doesn't always seem like uh, parent-child relationship anymore. It's more of a, we're, we're now adults and, yeah. you know, and it's, it's nice to see that. It's, it's fun to see that transition. Yeah. I think what is- we're living out the biblical uh, uh, definition of uh, love your parents, respect your parents without, without having to feel as if we don't have a choice. I mean, you guys are some are people that we respect and we, I mean, for for good reason uh, at this point. I mean, because we have this relationship that you do respect the things that we do and the the decisions we make for the most part, and we respect everything that you guys do. Yes, and and going into um, empty nest, which is what we've been doing for the last few years. You know, parents have to let go, and I think parents get the rap, don't they? The, you know, my parents just can't let me go. They just treat me like a child. Yeah. But you know what? It's a two-way street because a lot of times, now you've noticed with the birds, I noticed this with the birds that Lindsay um, trains. Uh-huh. When she walks past, there's one that goes back to being a baby. It fluffs up its little feathers and puts its head uh-huh. down and looks all young and baby, baby, baby when, she, when he hears her voice. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of times that's what children do and they think, that it's the parents not letting go and it's the children who kind of are falling back into that that toddler age or that 13-year-old age or whatever yeah. the age is. Yeah, yeah. So it's as much your responsibility, I suppose, to help with empty nest. And, and I think this separation kind of helped us all get things into perspective and we realized that, you know, you can stand on your own two feet, you can be independent and we can let go and... So yeah. the whole thing kind of worked out. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go on our next break, I just want to ask, did you still make beer, Simon? I'm not, I don't know if I made, but maybe one batch of beer last year. Mm-hmm. I think I tried to make my pumpkin ale, um, but because of the temperature in the house, it was just too warm. Oh. I wasn't able to get the right fermentation and I ended up, it, the beer is slightly soured, Yeah. which is <laughs> it's still drinkable. But it does have a slight sour taste to it. I actually still have about 40 bottles underneath the stairs. Oh, and so do you think that was – you were saying that's because of the heat. It didn't really have anything to do with the fact that – Yeah, because it, it has to be at about 70 degrees. Yeah. Uh, and in the closet that it was in, it was probably closer to 88, maybe 90 degrees or so. So it was a little warm. Well, I suppose you uh, could have kept it in your bedroom. But yeah, I guess I could have. Uh, it, it was just a, a tough summer to deal with, and I just didn't – spend a whole lot of time on it. So yeah. that all had to do with the fact that he had to take care of a house. Yeah, I know. You see, so so lots of things have to go by the wayside when, when property is owned. Uh-huh. All right, well, we're having to go on a short break, and we'll be back just for a few minutes um, to talk about um, 
how you would react if you had to do it again. So don't go far. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend at Principal was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, the fateful day when we had chosen the date to return to America finally came. And um, how did you feel when we actually... Gave you a date. I don't want to say disappointed. Uh, but, you just did. <laughs> but I was, a, there were, was talk at the very beginning of it being a year to two years. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a little open. So we were kind of hoping the two-year thing at that point, because Ian had just moved in. Mm-hmm. And I think we were both excited. And, and you know, I had, I had enjoyed taking care of the yard and the garden this from the spring. That mm-hmm. I guess I was kind of hoping that, you know, maybe I could keep this up and and continue living here for a little bit longer. It was fun, and I would enjoy it. It suddenly, it suddenly hit us how fast everything had just flown by. I guess. Mm-hmm. So you feel that you know one year might not have been long enough. One year you got over the novelty and everything, and you were just settling into everything. And a second year you could have smoothed out, you know, all the wrinkles and yeah. things might have gone along a little bit. Could have done a lot more changes. I had a whole bedroom I wanted to add on. <laughs> 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 yeah, nice. So, if if we asked you to do it again, would you say yes, or was the responsibility yeah, too much? Yeah, when? Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but and also, I was going to say, moving into an apartment. You did say that moving into an apartment was a little bit easier having having lived together in the house. But is it completely different? I mean, how is it different, or is it about the same? It's different because it's not as huge. This yeah. house is gigantic. Well, and it's also it familiar. And it's yeah. real familiar. But mm-hmm. having such a, a much smaller area uh, is easier to take care of. There are less responsibilities. We don't have a yard to take care of. All we yeah. have to do is call a maintenance guy if the air conditioning breaks, yeah. as opposed to trying to figure out how to fix it ourselves or get somebody out here to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, an apartment is definitely easier but it's i mean the the, the familiarity is not there and and we just have to create our own environment mm. Mm. which which we i think we've done yeah. a fairly good job over the past five or six weeks yeah, yeah. so you, so you're settling into your apartment yeah yeah, yeah. we're enjoying it. it's real not, the the inside is definitely it's our space but the whole building 
you know, in the parking lot area and like the, the, the location mm-hmm. is definitely not our familiar ho- home. Yeah. But the inside feels like us. So. Yeah. yeah. And is it noisy or do you not, do you not hear your neighbors? Not, not our direct neighbors, but I mean, we hear people, you know, walking around talking outside cars, driving by outside and whatnot, but it's, I, I kind of feel you'd get that anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And both of you are closer to work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, oh, I mean, I'm so nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, 10 minutes at that, if that to each of our works. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit further away than you used to live in, but it's still only about 30 minutes, not a 10 hour flight. No time difference. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, and I well, mean, it's fun. Well, I just want to say thanks so much for, um, Living in our house for the year that we were gone, thank you for it not burning down. I said in my um, essay that I wrote that there was no evidence of there ever having been a fire in the center of the living room. No. <laughs> the, <laughs> the walls weren't painted black. So. No, we, we cleaned it up pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and there were a couple of things actually that we decided to keep, a couple of really good ideas that you had, and one of them was the awning. Yep. And the other one was, what did you do with one of the bedrooms? Just tell us quickly about that and then we'll close we kind of when i moved in i moved in all of my entertainment stuff the couch and the tables and everything we kind of created a, a little hangout pad where basically we started watching all the tv um uh, you know whenever we just want to watch a movie or some tv we'd watch it in the in the back bedroom and now you guys have after we moved everything out you guys pretty much made it your own little nest yeah. little pad you call it the nest mm-hmm. where dad spends his evenings watching tv and writing and doing his own thing and yeah. You guys watched Dallas. And- yeah, we did. We did. No, it's nice. It was a really good idea because it's smaller and it's a little bit cooler than the yeah. massive living room. And it's, it's a little bit quieter too. So Yeah. Don't feel as though I'm in uh, Victoria Station when I'm watching something. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us or for joining me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you have a great weekend. And um, I'll talk to you again, I'm sure. Okay, okay. Bye. 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 I've been talking to Ian and Simon McNenny, who lived in our house while my southern gentleman and I were away in England for a year. The Wild Man experiment served to bring all of us together as we found out more about each other and how living apart could draw us closer together. My oldest son, Ian, is a filmmaker here in Dallas, where he's currently working on season two of the new series of Dallas. We're not hobnobbing with the Ewings, He freelances for a creative studio in Deep Ellum called Real FX, where he's just edited a series of national commercials for Chuck E. Cheese. Look out for them over the holiday season. Ian also enjoys writing narrative screenplays and coming up with innovative ways to give old foods new tastes. Simon is a zookeeper at the Dallas Zoo, where his special charges are the Okapi, part of the hoofstock. He enjoys giving talks and tours to families and loves the public. Sam is a rock climber and sometimes uses his talents to trim trees. He is sponsored by a climbing shoe company, Evolve, and a local flip-flop company called Hari Mari. They've both been featured in their local community college magazine for their motivation to follow their dreams, graduate from college in less than four years, and work in their fields, all because of homeschooling. Have a great weekend, and I'll probably see them both for dinner on Sunday, and you can find them on Facebook. Well, back to my tour of the garden and the withering crops. Look up, Mum, my wild wild man said to distract me. 
there was a large mesh cover originally designed to catch autumn leaves before they landed in the pool, suspended above us. Bright yellow rope crisscrossed the wooded area beyond the fence line and snaked across the rooftop, winding around the air vents to secure the canopy. The water temperature has dropped almost 10 degrees, exclaimed, explained my son, surveying the 16-foot awning floating above our pool. I looked down. There was a fine layer of algae covering the surface. Apparently the pool sweep had packed up and left and the water was a dark shade of green. It may have been cooler, but it wasn't enticing. I kicked the dirt that used to be our lawn until it had fallen victim to a fatal mistake in fertiliser. I wondered what was cooking for dinner. After a good night's sleep, we took stock of our homecoming. The house was still standing. There was no evidence there had ever been a fire in the middle of the living room, and the walls hadn't been painted black. As we tamed our house, something began to happen. With each new shiny surface, sparkling window, and repositioning of furniture, my sons displayed agitation. They admitted to pangs of separation from their carefree, savage days. After 13 months without parental controls, they were suffering from withdrawal symptoms as we began the task of reclamation. We had been preparing for our return for months. They, as it emerged, had been hoping we would change our minds or, on our return, allow them to continue with their wild man experiment, still in its Peter Pan stages, while we blended. One candlelit evening over dinner, they innocently asked, Whose house is it? A sense of ownership had prevailed for a season, especially since we had left. Their hackles were understandably up. Forewarned by my blue-eyed cowboy's sensible reminder during one of our deep-scouring sessions that they are gainfully employed tax-paying citizens and should no longer consider us as a source of income. Furthermore, he'd continued, as I processed these words of a heretofore reluctant empty nester, they're not joint owners of our house no matter how entitled they feel after a year. It was time to establish our position and effect a surrender to clear the air. My Texan and their dad repeated the question. Well, whose house is it? Silence. Confusion flitted across their faces. My question brought it into perspective. Are you still our dependents? No, exploded from their mouths without hesitation. So, whose house is it? Their dad gave the question a final airing. Yarls, they agreed. We lived in harmony for another three weeks until they packed their loincloths and moved into their own flat. Before departing, I had them segregate all the unidentifiables in the freezer from my store-bought comestibles for dustbin day. There were squirrel skins, turtle legs, oven-ready roadkill, skinned snake and other obscure protein, loosely categorised as wild game, that I may have unwittingly eaten. Yesterday, my filmmaker son came over for his dishes and to do laundry. Well, Mum, he asked as he walked unbidden into my office, and I pulled away from my desk to give him the undivided attention he had grown to love and expect. Are you and Dad sad to see us go, or are you, yeah, party in the house now? I took a deep breath. It's time, and it's, yes, party in the house now. His face creased into a smile, or was he trying not to cry? Why? How do you think we'd feel, I asked, tearing up myself. I don't know, he said. Sad that your little boys have moved, and you're nearly all alone. I laughed. Well, that's all I have time for this week. I'm going to the fair and I have my WordPress class at college on Tuesday and critique with my reading group friends. So very sociable weekend coming up. Perhaps the Arboretum may happen also and I may frame some of the paintings we brought back with us of our favourite haunts. 
the Jolly Woodman and St. George's Church. I've had fun this week and I hope I haven't deterred any of you from leaving your sons in charge of your property. I'll be here same time, same place next week on Toginet Radio. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guests, the wild men, Ian and Simon McNinney, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne and Lindell, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Christine, Joel, Laura, and many others who are a part of my growing audience. Listen to my friend Ali Laprete, New Day to New Time, Mondays at 7 p.m. Central, and Lisa Stedman on Wednesdays at 1 Central. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Do, 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 do. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.